Okay, so everybody got the email to wear yellow. Look at all the people in yellow. I told Caroline that I was like, I literally last night, this is the dumbest thing in the universe, but really and truly I thought, okay, oh my gosh, what am I, am I going to wear the last Bible study? It's been so much fun. We've had such a blast. We've walked through Psalm 1, Psalm 19, Psalm 23, Psalm 51. We're going to wrap today with Psalm 139 and 150. I just feel kind of crazy, rejoicey, sunshiny yellow. And I was like, but Tristy, you already wore yellow. You know how you do as a girl, you're like, well, you know, now, now granted, the dress I wore Sunday morning at the Anderson site, I will wear to Southwood on Sunday. <laughs> That's not a problem. But it was so funny because I thought, oh, I kind of want to wear yellow. And I thought, no, you know, I try to dress like a grown-up, you know, and all this stuff. So uh, instead of my jeans, my flip-flops, I'm, and uh, Brian kind of busted my chops because I was like, man, I'm kind of struggling with my study time here. I'm thinking more about what I'm wearing. And he goes, and I said, just pray that God delivers me from vanity. Just, just do that, Brian, and you'll be fine. I want to, real quick, um, we're, we're, in a, we're in a nice, intimate group today. And you know why? It's our last one. A, B, this is the third week of July, and people go on vacations. They're in and out, in and out, in and out. Tons of ladies, if you would like to pass this around to your pals, are going to download all four weeks of our women's Bible study in August. Some gals were just like, you know, I cannot do a Bible study in June or July because I'm traveling so much. I've got some stuff going down. But in August, I need something weekly to do. And as we know, this is not only doable, it's equipping, it's empowering, it's all that good stuff. So our wonderful Gary Peterson. You can clap. You know, part of the reason I do it is because he doesn't like it. Is, um, and uh, David Cooper in the back hiding behind Sarah Malone. Seriously, because of them, my friend Gail in Finland, my girls in East Asia, a friend in Greece, People in New York, Boston, and Alaska have been able to listen to our talks, and then they'll write me Facebooks or emails and go, what? When, when you guys were laughing at that, what were you laughing at? <laughs> so that's been really fun. So this is our last one. It's very, very fun, but I want to introduce a couple different people, if I may. Team A, Cindy Simpson. Where are you, my Cindy? See that girl right there? It's Carolyn Jones, Val Anderson. The four of us have been, you know, three musketeers just ain't enough. You have to have four. And so we've been the four musketeers working on Bible study together this summer, and we have had a blast. We have learned, I think, a ton about the Lord, about ourselves, about how to do ministry, about how to love others, and we have just had a, a wonderful, wonderful time. I have a dear, dear friend here who I hugged her on Sunday. I'm standing and getting reverb. And I hugged her on Sunday. She was trying to slip past me, but I grabbed her is Becky Segrist. She's right there. Maybe the best Bible teacher in the world. So we're glad you're here, Becky. <laughs> I'm really excited to see you, sis. What I love about the Segrists is it's so funny. My kids got to see him, and Ben said, why, did, why do you love that lady so much? And I said, and he goes, and what's wrong with her leg? And I said, well, actually, Becky has her hip is kind of bugging her a little bit, so she's using a cane right now. I said, there's no problem. She'll just put some titanium in it. She'll be good to go. Because, <laughs> Becky, you do not stop Becky Segrist, you know? Well, the other thing is, is her husband, David, was my very first doctor. And when I moved to College Station, I came on staff with Campus Crusade, and I asked Sandy Ireland, Sandy, I got the flu. Where do I go? She said, go see a wonderful gentleman named Dr. David Segrist. And so we have fallen in love for, well, I don't know, not 20 years, but 15 years with uh, the Segrists. Their children, their grandchildren, the whole nine yards. And my favorite thing about Becky, favorite thing, is that, um, I don't even know if she knows this, but uh, she's very much like our friends Gail and Andy Seidel. Because whether y'all know it or not, we're going to live their lives. And so we're going to pastor for a while, 10, 15, something years, get those kids grown up, you know, give them to college and all that smack. And, okay, everybody be married and happy. And then Brian and I are going to go somewhere all over the world and, yeah. I'm not going to Ethiopia, probably. <laughs> Becky was in Ethiopia. Now is this teaching math. That's what I want to do. I mean, <laughs> Becky knows I can barely add. I mean, it's like, come on, try, try it for me. Try and teach people in a second language how to add. I mean, it ain't going to add. Yeah, Brittany's like, no, 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 Tris, it's not going to work for you. So anyway, my friend Becky Seegers is here. I see a lot of fun faces. So much love for y'all. We are so excited about today. Today is going to be, actually, you know, if I had had my way and had my act together, which has been pretty good this summer, but, you know, it lacks in many, many an area, is I kind of was thinking, man, I wish we had some cool in the gang with celebrate good times in the back room when y'all came in, you know, just kind of. 
Because I was thinking to myself, I don't know about you, but mid-July, I've done every camp. (laughs) I've had children in my house all day, every day. Stop touching me. Stop fighting. Stop. That's mine. That's mine. After a while, you're going, "Ah, ah, ah, ah." you know, it's a little bit nutty. And I'm counting down the days until school starts now. So very excited. And I'm about to move into the August, hey, get ready for fall ministry slash meet the teacher parties and who needs some markers and yada, yada. So I have disciplined myself. I prayed on my knees for y'all this morning. (laughs) I prayed on my knees this morning. I prayed last night that we could hear him today, that we could stop ourselves and not think about vacation next week, not think about where you're driving, not think about anything else that's going to distract you from the most important thing you own in your hands, which is what? The Word of God. That you can stop and you can think and you can worship and you can be filled and you can celebrate. Psalm 139, I'm going to teach it to you just as we've been having it the last few weeks. Take a little break. We're going to talk about Psalm 150. We're going to try to get all that in. And then we're going to do something really, really fun that Val Anderson will explain to us. As you see, we have some really cool praise, bless bless the Lord, halals, things. One of my favorite babies, Faith Fuqua, she's not a baby, she's a grown woman. Faith Fuqua is going to sing for us, lead us in a time of worship and celebration. Honestly, as I prayed for our time, I just, I envision us really interacting with the word, you know, um, and, and in a sense, kind of a quiet spirit before the Lord as he renews us for the fall. So before we get started, let's pray. Father, thanks that you love us. Thank you, as always, that your word is true. Use your word to change us, to encourage us. In Jesus' name, amen. Psalm 139, if you want to open up your handy-dandy little Bible study. Oh, y'all, my friend Milena is here, one of my dear new friends. You want to see a, two good-looking boys? Right there. That's her son, Ben, and my son, Ben. It's fun when your kids are best friends and they have the same name. Good for the dyslexic mother. Okay. <laughs> That, they're getting their little uh, Taekwondo belts, and so Melana brought it for me, my sweet friend. They, um, you have before you, I really wanted you to feel equipped. Did anybody feel equipped after this Bible study this summer? Put your hand up if you do. If not, you can just kind of make me feel better and just put your hand up anyway. And uh, so in front of you is today's stuff. Psalm 139, I call it the baby announcement psalm. Isn't that funny? Because everybody, even pagans, put, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And I'm like but I thought you were an atheist. And they're like, yeah, but it's cool. It's in the Bible. You know, I'm a Darwinist, but it's cool. Psalm 139, the baby announcement psalm. We have, key print- we have two key principles to grasp theologically that we'll talk about. I did your, remember how last week we did Psalm 51 and we chopped that bad boy up into six sections, didn't we? We chopped it up, thereby beginning our process of synthesizing. We've learned three key skills in this Bible study. What are they? What's your first one? Observation, add a girl. Observation, what's your second? Interpretation, and your third? Application and review. Observation is, you can if you want to say, observation is obvious. Interpretation is, what does it mean? Application is, what does it mean, what? To me. And these women in this group have disciplined themselves to not look at the scripture anymore and look for themselves first, right? We're going to look at it in context. And we're going to read it as God spoke it to David. David spoke it to to the Lord. And when we pull it into our own lives, we pull it in as a timeless principle. What's fun about Psalm 139 is my prayer for us again last night was that we see a guy on the run. We see a real person. But we also say, hey, these timeless principles are true for me too. Now, remember, we did Psalm 51 last week, didn't we? This, uh, timeline-wise, background-wise, is before Psalm 51. He's on the run. If somebody would turn in their Bibles, uh, Amanda, will you turn to 1 Samuel 19? And since you're about to, like, have a baby in two hours, you don't have to stand up. Okay? Really, don't stand up, babe. Okay, will you read um, the background? It, what, what's crucial about understanding any Bible, Bible passage and text is the background of the text, correct? 1 Samuel 19 Amanda, will you read, honey, uh, verse 10 for me? 10, actually, I need 10, 12, and 18, if you were taking any notes. 10, 12, and 18, 1 Samuel 19. 10, 12, and 18. And Saul tried to pin David to the wall with a spear, but he slipped away out of Saul's presence 
so that he stuck the spear to the wall. And David fled and escaped that night. Verse 12. So, Michael? I just learned it. This is so wild. Mikhail. Mikhail let David down through a window, and he went out and fled and escaped. Now David fled and escaped and came to Samuel at Ramah. Ramah, uh-huh. And told him all that Saul had done to him. And he and Samuel went and stayed in Naoth. Very good. I know. I thought it was Naoth, too, because Brian has a pair of Israeli sandals, and they're called Naoths. Sarah knows this. And I said, it's got to be a Hebrew derivative of Naoth, right, Brian? He goes, no, it's not. It's like, shucks. It's Naoth, but who cares? The point is, David came to Samuel at Ramah. Now, three, th- three things are going on. What do, you, what do you think David is sensing in the background of 1 Samuel 19? He's running for his life. He's doing the same thing he does through so much of the Psalms, running for his life. So picture this in your mind. This is a man running for his life. He, before he talks about Psalm 139, this is a guy who not only is down on his luck, but he is really wondering if God's going to come through for him. As we talked about observation, interpretation, application, I want to, in 10 seconds, not really, review very quickly. Um, look at your text, your, Psalm 139, page 100. Now, as you do your observations, that's going to help you. You read your background, you did your observations. How many times does it say the name Yahweh, Lord, capital L, O-R-D? Lord, you, your, your spirit, your, you, your. Anybody have a count? Ready? says 25? <laughs> yeah. Going once. I have Lord, you, your, and God. I don't, maybe I'm wrong. I got it 35 times, but because also I counted the back. I forgot too. I know. I was like, hey, there's more to the scripture. I did the same thing, right? Yeah. Yeah, 35 is good. Lord, you, your, and God. 35 times. That's an observation. Me, I, and my. 46 times. You think it's a personal psalm? You think it's private between he and the Lord? Did he think that we were going to read this 4,000 years later and go, oh, yeah, me too, Dave. You know? And remember, observations are obvious. What's your, my favorite one? How many verses are there? 24. Now, I'm going to trust that you on your own, as you work through the study, wrote down your favorite observations, things you learned, things you saw. I'm going to trust that you looked at your interpretive uh, questions based on your observations. Okay, if, it, if God says this about uh, this, then is this part true? And then how is this true for me? What I'd love for us to do is to read the psalm slowly. And then we're going to talk about a really fun thing. Did anybody notice this word? I just have to mock this word because it made me laugh so hard. Um, it's on your page. Little things make you laugh, you know. Page 102, where it says interpret. The structure of Psalm 139 is one of the keys to proper interpretation of the wisdom psalm. What was Psalm 51? Just real quick on the fly. What kind of psalm was it? Lament. Lament. Very good. This one's a wisdom psalm. I think it's also a worship psalm myself. After the superscription, technically verse 1 in the Hebrew text, this I love, the psalm falls into four strophes. That's a necessary word. Major, major sections, and I'm going, okay, grouping, sections, categories. For me, when I see the word strophe, I was thinking, I'd like an apple one with a side of ice cream and a cup of coffee. It sounds like something you order in a German restaurant, does it not? Well, what we're going to do, we're going to read Psalm 139 slowly so we can worship through the word personally. I want, you to, I want you to ask God to quiet your mind. Read it, eat it, meditate, haga, right? Then we're going to talk about our... Strophes are categories. It divides itself perfectly, I think, into six categories. Remember Psalm 51? How many categories does Psalm 51 divide itself into? Six. six? <laughs> Jane goes, you said six. That's right, Jane, yeah. <laughs> That's the right answer. It divided it. Remember, I, and I remember telling you all, last week I felt like Psalm 51 was getting my hands around jello, And it was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's an uncomfortable, challenging psalm. But we had a blast and we learned a ton. Psalm 139 is a delight. It's hefzibah. It's joyous. Don't we all like to be thought of? Don't we all like to feel important and loved and special? We can't even understand this psalm. It's so beyond our understanding. So as we read it, let's worship, and then we'll do talk about our six strophs. Okay? Psalm 139, verse 1. O Lord, technically in Hebrew what? Yahweh. 
O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. That's called merism, by the way, in case you're interested in that. He knows this. He knows this. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You understand my thought from afar. You scrutinize, or in Hebrew, sift, my path and my lying down. You are intimately acquainted with all my ways, even before there is a word on my tongue. Behold, O Yahweh, you know it all. You have enclosed me, or in Hebrew, hemmed me in. You have enclosed me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is too high. I cannot attain to it. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, even there your hand will lead me. And your right hand, hand of favor, will lay hold of me. If I say, surely the darkness will overwhelm me and the light around me will be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. And the night is as bright as the day. Darkness and light are, darkness and light are alike to you. For you formed my inward parts, literally kidneys. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in your book, were all written the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was not one of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God! How vast is the sum of them! If I should count them, they would outnumber the sand. When I, am awake, when I wake up, I am still with you. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God! Depart from me, therefore, men of bloodshed or bloodthirst, for they speak against you wickedly, and your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with the utmost hatred. They have become my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any hurtful way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. Everybody go like this. (sighs) Didn't feel that special before you came in, did you? Here's your strophes. Are you ready? Do you have your hand out in front of you? Let's look at our strophes, our strophes. Last week we talked, we chopped it up into six pieces. Why? So we could learn the text better and learn to synthesize or streamline it. You have in front of you Psalm 139. I don't know why I called it the baby announcement psalm. That's all I could come up with. Key principles to grasp. You have two big theological principles that I'd like for you to just have a little tidbit of knowledge about. One is called omniscience, which is God knows everything. Or as I told Brian, the way I learned it, really, (laughs) omniscience. I couldn't learn how to spell it. I couldn't hear it very well. Omniscience, God knows everything. Omnipresence, God is everywhere at once. But this is not pantheistic. We'll talk about that in just a bit. There's your psalm sections. Some people call them chapter titles, paragraph titles, uh, groupings, strophes. We got it all. I've titled, you'll notice on your thing, I think it says Tristy title, does it? No, it doesn't. That's fine. These are just the titles I gave so I could learn it. You'll have your own titles as you restudy the psalm, I'm sure. Verses 1 through 6, the Lord knows all that I do or am. Yahweh, he has searched me. He knows me. He knows when I sit down, I rise up. The merism is extreme in this. It is parallelism, but it's also the fact that he knows here, he knows there. My favorite verse is verse 6 in that, te- in that section, verses 1 through 6. Such knowledge is too wonderful to me. I have the word knowledge in parentheses and a big arrow straight up pointing to the word omniscience, which means all-knowing. This is my own personal little commentary about verses 1 through 6. David acknowledges he is the object. Do you remember us talking about this last week and the week before, how we are the object of God's affections? 
How, how wonderful is that? David acknowledges he is the object of Yahweh's knowledge and his affections. He also knows that God knows every action or motivation behind it. That makes me a little nervous. <laughs> God knows. Now, this I pray for myself, as many of you know. God knows every word before David speaks. Oh, okay. So I prayed for a tongue of silver myself this morning, that everything I would say would be of God and not just you. But this is the, the quote that I love. I found one commentator, and it was really interesting. This guy kind of had a beef with us a little bit. He said, David concludes he is utterly powerless and is frustrated by this. And I thought, I didn't think that. <laughs> I'm rejoicing that someone knows me so well. But maybe it's different for David in that situation. He, said, he has 400 men following him. He's the proclaimed ruler of Israel, and it ain't happening yet. Instead, he's running for his life, and his first wife is lowering him down on a wall. <laughs> and it wasn't a love match, by the way. Right? He's not seeing all the action come true yet, and yet he still has faith that it will. So when this gentleman, this commentator, says that it makes him feel frustrated, I disagree with him. But I do agree with him that David finally realizes, God controls me, and I am what? Powerless. Don't feel bad. Don't feel upset that you're out of control. Rejoice in it. Praise God for it. That's your verses 1 through 6 of your first strophe. Verses 7 through 10. My title was The Lord Knows Where I Am. Or I thought this was better, Location, Location, Location. (laughs) Now, David wonders, obviously, where can he go from Yahweh's presence? There is no place outside his presence from heaven to Sheol. Literally, let's look at our text. Where can I go from your spirit, your tri- at, at you being the triune God? Where can I flee from your presence? Jehovah Shammah, my favorite thing about him. If I ascend to heaven, is it the same heaven that we're thinking of, New Testament heaven? Maybe not. If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the dawn... Brian calls this, he goes, I got a name for your, that section, Jonah. <laughs> That's pretty good. If I take the, Ben asked him one day, he goes, why, why didn't you guys want to name me Jonah? I was like, are you serious? <laughs> and then I thought to myself later as he got older, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's a good story. Even there, your hand will lead me and your right hand, hand of favor, my son's name, is, I, me and Milena, we, our son's name is son of the right hand, son of favor. Now, very quickly, because we have so much partying to do, I want you to look at your little piece of paper like this. This stuff can take about four hours to teach top to bottom, but we're not going to do that, are we? We got stuff to do. We got faith to listen to. We got to praise the Lord, aren't we? We're going to end in quiet reverence and filled with the Spirit. Very quickly, if I make my bed in Sheol, literally, if you remember last week, i got to take off my faith ring. You know, we started this the study with the string that Jeannie gave me, and she literally text messaged from Colorado at 10,000 feet her prayer for us this morning. She's, she's amazing. Um, we discussed last week, in the Old Testament, there is not a Savior yet. Believers know that a Savior is coming to not just cover their sins, but to pay for them, right? Remember Psalm 51 was all about our cleansing. We, we, we jokingly called it exfoliation, didn't we? Isn't that awesome? Exfoliation and rejuvenation. Okay, so Old Testament believers, they don't know his name is Jesus Christ. The Old Testament is Genesis to Malachi, 400 years between Malachi and the New Testament, right? They know a Messiah is coming because they know, not just from the Torah, but they know from all Old Testament writings, a Savior is coming. God will provide a different way. But at this point in time, i got to get me some turtle doves and get myself to the temple once a year and sacrifice. The priest walks in. Just by way of review, we'll discuss this. The priest walks in. He slaughters. The blood is on the mercy seat. But what do you know about the blood we talked about last week? It dries and flakes off, Right? There's a scapegoat. He puts his hands on the scapegoat, the blood on the scapegoat, sends him off into the wilderness, symbolizing the sin is leaving. Bye-bye. See ya. Right? It is atoned for. Bye-bye. But the question you ask yourself is, is it removed? No. That's the glory of our Savior in the incarnation. When he came, 
as a man, and he died on the cross. And how many sins did he see of yours in the future? We talked about it last week. All of them. Past, present, future. Because he lives inside of me, I am white as snow. My sins were scarlet. They're on some goat's head, and they're not on a mercy seat that nobody can find. He paid for me, so I don't have to. And if you're sitting here today and you're kind of going, Tristy's kind of funny and this is kind of serious, but I don't know what I think about all this. I want you to think about, do you know that Jesus Christ paid for your sins, all of them? And if you say, I don't know about that. I don't know about Pray, ask the Lord to come into your heart and pay for your sins. It is glorious. Sometimes I think to myself, if we took one scriptural truth, and that's enough to live your life on, isn't it? Isn't it enough to know that God loves you? Do you really need that necklace from Charming Charlie's? You know? Isn't it enough to know that God loves you? Do you really need a husband or a baby or a really cool car or a house and everything you want and your highlights? <laughs> is it enough to know that God has paid for your sin and he's giving you eternal and abundant life? Look back down at your, your hand up very quickly again. In the Old Testament, Sheol is the word for the world of the dead. Everybody went to Sheol, okay? So every Jewish funeral, everybody said, too bad for Ben Kamin, he's in Sheol right now. Sheol, this is not a whole day. I think if I thought of it, because I had a little bit of sprinkling Catholic teaching, that it's like purgatory. It is not purgatory. It's not purgatory. Kind of like a holding tank, if you want to really know the truth. If you look down, Sheol is Hebrew. Hades is Greek. Jesus talks about Hades, and he talks about heaven in the New Testament. Sheol is in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, you die, you're a bad guy, you go to the bad side of Sheol. (laughs) You're a good guy, you go to the good side of Sheol. Now, let's pop forward 400, uh, well, more than 400 years. Zip on down to where Jesus is on the cross. And what does Ephesians 4 tell you? He didn't just ascend, but he descended, and he took back a host of captives. Where were the hosts of captives? The good side, baby. He gets his people and he takes them into heaven. Our one of our best friends, Kathy Jackson, died. It'll be two years, October twenty second, twenty sixth, for us. October twenty sixth. Kathy has been, and I asked Brian. I said, "Is she in heaven?" He said, "Yes." I said, "But she's not in the New Earth and she's not in New Jerusalem." He goes, "You're right, but she is in the presence of the Lord." So as you look down, if this helps you at all, I pray it makes it a little bit clearer to understand this. Also, we don't need to be told that the opposite side in the New Testament that Jesus refers to more than any other word or principle is Gehenna, hell. So when you see that 65% of evangelicals do not believe in hell, what do you say? In my Bible, it says the word Gehenna, which means hell. So I guess we don't believe that part anymore. There is such a place as hell. Literally, the word Gehenna, it's very interesting. If you've been to Israel, outside the city gates, they had a field that was constantly burning, burning, burning. Do you remember this? Burning, burning, burning. Stunk to high heaven. And the word Gehenna is a derivative of that stink and of that burning. There was a conscious understanding. Heaven, hell. They don't get it all because they don't have a full revelation in their hands. They don't have a Bible like you do. They had, the scripture has not been canonized yet. The Nicene Creed has not been written yet. All they know is that they are Jews who obey the law, the Torah, and they sacrifice for their sin, knowing someday a Messiah will make me a new person. So, if, as, as always, as last week when we talked about Holy Spirit, do not take your Holy Spirit from me, that was a challenging part. I gave you my email address. I'll give it to you one more time if you have questions about this really quickly. Write it on the bottom of your paper. Just T-R-I-S-T-I-E-F for Fisha at Juno.com. And how's that for little Sheol? How come nobody names their kid Sheol? That's what I want to know. I know a lot of Shilohs, not a lot of Sheols. Verses 11 through 12. My title and this is going to be fun, I pray for y'all, because I never, ever saw it till I studied this time. The Lord, everybody say amen at the end of the sentence. The Lord, Yahweh, is not affected by what? Darkness. Don't you love it? In this evil and wicked world, it seems like it's getting worse by the hour. 
He is not affected by the darkness. My commentary, I, for, this is my own personal comment, darkness provides no concealment. Remember? Darkness and light are the same to Yahweh. I love that about him. And I love that David is honest. He's fearful. The dude is on the run. Remember? He's had a spear thrown at him. He jumped out of a six-story window probably. He's been running and running and running. He's thirsty. He's hungry. Where am I going to go? I don't know what's going on. You know, the lanyards. But he's honest about his fear. We talked about him in Psalm 51. We know like him too much last week, did we, girls? Not only because of the adultery issue and the murder issue and the deception issue and all the things, the horrible consequences that resulted from his bad choices, but toward the end of the psalm, we saw true renewal and repentance. And here he is again, that sweetie pie, being as honest as he can be. I think he's kind of afraid of the dark because he knows in the dark somebody could kill him. He knows God has anointed him with the oil, remember, that he's the king coming. But... He also knows in the dark nobody can see, and somebody can come in and take him out. David is very honest. I, my heart, loves this about him. Literally, listen to the Hebrew word. You'll love it. If I say, surely the darkness will overwhelm me, do you know what literally is? Surely the darkness will bruise me. Have you ever felt that way at night? If you have trial, no job, perhaps going through a divorce, the death of a baby, the death of a husband, Uh, maybe you're just lamenting the evil in the world, the darkness feels like it's bruising you. It is physically attacking you and hurting you. I feel that. And David, but David, look at what he does. My friend Vicky and I like this, and Sandy and I like this. we, We all did this. When we were afraid or struggling, we spoke truth. Remember, we've talked about that extensively this summer. Speak the word. Speak the name of Christ. He's doing it right here. He's like, man, I'm afraid. But... Surely, 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 the darkness will not bruise me, and the light around me will be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you, for darkness and light are the same to you. I love that the night is as bright as the day. Everybody say amen. 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 That is your strophe for 11 and 12. Let's look at 13. Now, this is a biggie. 13 through 18. 13 through 18, I titled it, you can take it and you can do what you want. (laughs) You made me and you think of me. And everybody goes, "Uh (laughs) uh-huh. We know, Tris. You made me and you think of me. This is why this is called, I called it the baby announcement psalm. It's very interesting in a pro-choice, pro-abortion world that I still get baby announcements that say this. I thought we believed that we believed that we were, evolution, were evolutionists and that Darwin, that I was a tadpole a long time ago, right? What does that say? You are a creator. Oops, oops. Creator who formed my inward parts, you wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks for, to you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Okay, there's the first society says there is no creator. Evolution is true. What does this say? I have a choice right there. Do I believe the world or the word? Look on down. I will give thanks to you. I love this. For I am fearfully, fearfully, literally, shockingly, and then I love this, wonderfully made. I use the word wonderful like I use the phrase praise the Lord. Do y'all? Oh, Sandy, cool earrings. Well, praise the Lord. You know, but literally it's full of wonder. How did you feel when you held that first baby? I I couldn't even talk, which you know is big. (laughs) I mean, I was like, I mean, it was like full of wonder. That, I can't, those words don't even express this. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. Now I'm getting it. I love this. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret. And see where that says, it says, and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Take your, your text, and this is just a little trick I do sometimes. It's a new trick, and it helps me a ton. I, see, I parenthesize skillfully, put in parenthesis uh, the word skillfully. And then I drew straight lines to fearfully and wonderfully made. What does he mean by skillfully? Fearfully and wonderfully. How skillful is the Lord? Wonderfully. (laughs) Fearfully. And this is beautiful. I love this. The literal word for skillful, as we said earlier, is embroider. Does that make you feel special? Does anyone in here embroider? Have you embroidered? I have. How long does it take to embroider? Are you ready to have that baby child? <laughs> Amanda's ready to have the baby. 
She knows how long some embroidering has been happening. (laughs) And she's ready to be done. Think about that about yourself. You maybe came in here not feeling so special today. Maybe you came in here feeling like, I'm just number 23. Lord doesn't care about me too much. I just need to get there and get home, get stuff done. You know what? He embroidered you. He He skillfully made you to look the way that you do, to have your personality. He chose your eye color. He chose, the, the, even he, he knows the things you, you struggle with because he knows the glory he's going to make out of it. Tristy, you're weak here, but if you stick with me, kiddo, I am ordered this in you to understand those hidden faults so they don't become presumptuous sins, and I'm going to glorify myself. He made us for himself. If you keep reading, your eyes have seen my unformed substance. And in your book, what book could that be? Could it be the book of life? We're all written the days that were ordained for me. Isn't that a comfort? I know it's a comfort at every funeral that my husband has performed or I've been to. The Lord knows the hairs on my head. He also knows the real color. He knows how many have fallen out. You know how you get past 40 anybody's hair fall out? Sometimes I have friends email me and they say, what, what's happening? My hair's falling out. Okay, he knows the numbers of the hair on your head. You know, he, he knows everything about you. And he knows the hour you were born. I was born at 10.16 a.m. I will expire at 5.14 p.m. the year 2023 on the dot. And there's only one human, there's only one divine being that knows the exact time. Who's that? Yahweh, the creator. Look down at your text. When, yet, when he has it, there were none of them. How precious... Literally, the word is for a gem, a diamond, something you cherish like a pearl of great price. Remember, we wore pearls for uh, Psalm 23? Something exceedingly valuable that you would give your life for. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, it's bigger than my sandbox out back. I thought about our kid's sandbox, and I was like, man, I despise the sandbox. I honestly do, because I have to sweep twice a day. And now it's too hot, but, not, but my kids are big. We're popsicle sandbox people. That's what we like. But even today, I walk out. Brian has taken the kids to mom and dad's. I walk out to the van. I walk back in because I had forgotten something. And I was like, doggone. I could feel sand all over my shoes. It's in my house again. I swept yesterday. And so sand can, I, I was thinking of the humor of that. And I thought, I'm just going to dig a big old thing of sand and show these girls. I love being at the beach and looking down and going, you are stinking kidding me. I can't even count the rocks, the shells, the boats. And he, his thoughts toward me outnumber the sands. I want you to write on your text, do I believe this? That's what I'm going to write on the praise wall when it comes time to praise and write the thing we're taking away, is do I believe this? Guess what? If you don't, then it means nothing. Then this is just, this, this is like uh, reading Romeo and Juliet, just another text for you. But this text is divinely inspired. Is God lying to you? No. No. When I awake, here comes that fearful nature. I am still with you. He's speaking truth to himself to encourage himself. Before I turn you loose and we do a table talk, we're going to look at verses 19 through 24. I think you're going to like the title. I just couldn't go with the bloodthirsty stuff. So I said, God will punish the wicked, and I don't like them either. <laughs> I just, it bugged me that David's like, don't I hate them? I want to kill them and rip the heads off. So I was like, I know I have testosterone in my family. 50% of my family is sword fighting now and punching and fighting. And my son described what a frog looks like when you cut it up at the dinner table the other day. And I said, Ben, could you, could you wait on that? Could you, could you wait on that a little bit? You know, and you're, Melinda's married to an ER doctor, so she gets these stories all the time. And so, and Ben's not getting it because he's so fired up about the frog's head coming off. So he's kind of keeping on going for a minute. And finally, Brian goes, Ben, mommy don't want to hear about that. <laughs> and I silently push my pasta and chicken away. <laughs> Verse 19, oh, that you would slay the wicked, oh God. How do we look at that as New Testament believers? I got an idea. How about a little second Peter, last chapter? Give them time to repent. Give them time to repent. You come. 
You execute justice. Bring the new earth. Bring new Jerusalem. You come and rule and reign. But God, bring more. I have prayed for 20 years for a third great awakening. Anybody want to join me in that? Let's have a third great awakening, bring in a boatload of believers, and then Jesus Christ come riding into town on a white horse. That's what I'm hoping for. Amen, Brittany. I agree with you. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. Depart from me, therefore, men of bloodshed. I ain't hanging around anybody who doesn't love the Lord. If they speak against you wickedly, your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? Do I not loathe those who rise up against you? This is a warrior. This is a blood warrior speaking now. Why could David not build the temple? Do you remember? He was a man of blood. He was a man of war, unlike Solomon. I hate them with the utmost hatred. I'll just leave that there. They have become my enemies. So God will punish the wicked, and I don't like him either. David wishes the Almighty would slay the wicked. I like this. David does not... Have you noticed that David's not a real beat-around-the-bush kind of guy? David identifies them as enemies of God. Do not live in a tolerant world and say to yourself, Well, she's sweet, so I guess we're all going to heaven. It's all cool. I know we both don't know Jesus as Savior, but... oh." David says, if you don't know this God of the Bible as Savior, then you don't know heaven. And you won't know forgiveness. And you won't know his presence. That you are actually an enemy of God. I remember one time hearing a speaker say, say, and he goes, how do you think, he goes, right now, think of everybody you know who doesn't have a living relationship with Jesus Christ. Audience is kind of humming, thinking. And he said, they are an enemy of God. And I was like, whoa. And then I looked in the book of John, and guess what? He was right. It says the wrath of God rests upon their head. I don't like that. I'm an evangelist. I don't like it. I don't want anything resting on anybody's head that doesn't know the Lord. I want them to feel loved by me at the drive-thru. And when I pick up my, my, my medicines and things, and they go, why is she so nice? Oh, she's a Christian. I want it to be like that. And the truth is, they're an enemy of God. Have mercy on them. Pray for them. Share your faith. Love them. And second, the last chapter in Second Peter should be one of your top ten verses that you've memorized. That the Lord will be slow. He is slow about it, his promises, but he will bring those who repent into his kingdom. Pray for them. Once the show's over, it's over. Life feels long, and I'm only 40. Life feels long. Guess how long eternity is? Longer. That's the answer I was looking for, Jane. She always looks at my notes before we teach. That's right, my friend. Lastly, this is the question. If you'll look at your paper, I, can't, I, don't, I have my notes in front of me, and my, the, my dyslexia is kicked up into full gear. Here's what you have. Verses 23 through 24, however you want to isolate it, highlight it, exit, mark it, circle it, search me and lead me. How's that for an original strophe title? Hey, that's pretty good. Um, Flip your page. It starts table talk. See 139. Put a line through number one for me. I'd forgotten to tell you that we were not going to do that one. We're not going to do number one. But I want you to circle number two, star it, arrow it. Let's read it together. Table talk. 139, number two. Take this question and answer privately. Maybe a moment of silence to pray so you can streamline your thoughts. If God, Yahweh again, we're not in an Adonai section, we're in a Yahweh section. The creator says in his word, his breath, that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. How does that change my behavior and my belief system? Oh, my heavenly days. List three thoughts. I didn't have French vanilla this morning. Excuse me. Remember last week, girls? List three new thoughts to meditate, or what's our Hebrew word for meditate? To chew? Haga. I meet people, y'all, all over College Station now. Someone at H-E-B, Tristy, I'm hagaing. It's like, all right. Yeah, it's so funny. I was like, that's our Hebrew word of College Station. List new thoughts to meditate or haga on. And I'm just going to make it simple. If you believe Psalm 139, how is it going to change how you think about yourself, about others, and your own behavior? Now, table, that's, we're going to table talk that. My only application is this. 
Review that question every day this week. Remember when we did Psalm 23 and we put ourselves in the text? Remember we did that? We had an application last week that we did. This week I only have two. One, review your table talk question. Number two, man, i got to work on that tonight myself. Remember the 10 minutes that God will give you? I promise he will. Review it. If, if I really believe it, how does it change me? And second, I'd like for you to memorize Psalm 139, 23 and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts, my thoughts that are not of you. And see if there be any hurtful way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. Do you see the continuity between Psalm 51, the way that he prayed about God searching him and changing him and renewing him, and Psalm 23? Remember we talked about the ruts of the same old thinking, like the old sheep. Okay, we're all going this way. Okay, it's wrong and simple, but who cares? Or the routes of righteousness. We have learned from four four sessions new ways to think in truth, new ways to think biblically. That's our synthesis, isn't it? Memorize Psalm 139, 23 through 24. And if you would like to do your table talk, Psalm 139, I would love it. We're going to take a little break right now. How about we start our break in silence, shall we? If you need to go, <clears throat> Gary edits it out, y'all, on the internet. It's great. The first time I said pee pee break, it was so funny. I had to listen to it and I was like, did I say that on the internet? And then I listened. And Gary had taken it out, and I laughed so hard. I was like, it's so funny. The words pee break have been edited out so very smoothly. So if you would like to run to the bathroom, please feel free. If you want some French vanilla, go to town. Let's have some just quietness, which I know we all, our souls need. I can see it in your eyes today. You need quietness. You, you need stillness. You need to think. You need to sit, right? You need to be refreshed. Streamline your thoughts. Look at your psalm. Write your possible three applications, and then we'll uh, pop to our next event that Ms. Carolyn's going to tell us about. Let me pray for you really fast. Father, thank you for Psalm 139. It is one of the greatest gifts in the text and the Bible that you have given us. We do not take our Bible lightly. We don't take for granted the fact that we have 22 at home in different translations. When people are dying to smuggle one into Tibet. Father, I pray that you would fill us with your spirit. There just seems to be a sense of, for all of us, just kneeling at your feet quietly as your daughter and hearing you. Father, if there's hidden sins, presumptuous sins, we ask forgiveness of them. Take them away. Remove them. They're boulders in the stream of living water, and we want to flow. We want to hear you. I ask you to do it for me. Give me three new ways to chew on Psalm 139, to believe you and to decide if I believe your word. Pray for my sisters. I pray you give them good, rich time as we silently go before you and worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise Yahweh. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty expanse. That's the Hebrew can be expanse. NIV says heavens. Praise him for his mighty deeds, or I love in Hebrew, acts of power. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. If you want to use the word surpassing, you can. Now, this is where it gets a little tricky. I don't know about y'all, but I was like, praise him with electric guitar and Faith's voice and Tim Sewell and Amanda singing. Did y'all want to do that? And with my hip-hop Christian music. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Nope. Praise him with harp and lyre. A lyre is like, it can be a guitar in some cultures. It's like a violin, according to Hebrew literature. Literally, the word is kinor in Hebrew. Praise him with harp and lyre. Praise him with timbrel and dancing. That really makes me excited. Timbrel is a, anybody know? Yes, as he knows, tambourine. Praise him with stringed instruments and pipe or flute. In Hebrew, timbrel, timbrel is, uh, if you care about it, tambourine is toff, which I think is very interesting that that's the word used. Then I told Brian last night, this is my favorite part, perhaps because I crave quietness. I'm 40. I have two young children. The thing I want most from the Lord to hallel him, hallel elula, and all that stuff, I want quiet. <laughs> And I want solitude, and it ain't happening for a while. So, verse 5 speaks to me in humongous 
ways, if we may use that word. Praise him with what? Wow. Say, say what? Wow. Yeah. And you know what the word in Hebrew is? Loud. <laughs> Praise him with loud, clashing cymbals. God does not mean for you to live a quiet little life of worship, does he? Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. And if you didn't hear it the first time, Tristy, get it this time. Praise him with resounding, do it again, cymbals. It's like, oh, no. <laughs> and I don't know about y'all, but, man, cymbals, I mean, it gives me a migraine thinking about it. It's like, why you don't want your parents to give your kids a drum set, you know? I mean, it's one thing. We can all appreciate I love the violin. I, I can, oh, I worship through the violin. I worship through the piano. I worship through Faithy. I worship through all of these things. But kush, 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 kush is not going to make me go, oh, praise the Lord. If anything, I'm asking for help, you know. But yet the Lord knows. Tristy, I want you to praise me in every way. I want you to praise me in quiet obedience. I want you to praise me in fullness of heart. I want you to praise me with loud symbols. Don't have a quiet Christian life. Verse 6, let everything that has everything it wants praise the Lord. Is that your, your Hebrew text? Let everything that has breath for the next 22 minutes praise the Lord. Are you breathing? I'm not asking if you're yoga breathing. I'm saying, are you breathing? (laughs) Are you breathing? You are. Praise the Lord. Again, praise the Lord. A command 13 times. I'm getting the impression it's not a suggestion. I'm getting the impression it's a command. And that's why I think praise gives power. Let me give you four key points, quick points about Psalm 150, and then we'll pray. If you turn back to page 107, there's a little space to write in. Perhaps you want, you've done a boatload O work and you did your observations and your interpretations on page 109. Halal, a common word in Hebrew, is translated to praise. You are, I want to say, in French it's ooh, in Chinese it's ooh, but all of you praise Yah. Praise is a citation, I like when Buck said, a citation of the reason to be praised. There is an object. It's not walk with the Lord just so you get reward and you're happy. Hunky, hunky. Dory, dory, right? It's the Lord says, praise the Lord because I am Yahweh. And I have put breath in your body. Yes, I provide food for you to eat. Good for you, I answered your prayers that I give you a husband and a baby and a job and clothes to change into. And you have 22 versions of the NIV at your house. But you praise God, not just for what he gives, but for who he is, correct? Because he is. He's separate from us. And yet, in the incarnation, he became one of us. Four things about Psalm 150. The meaning of praise. We discussed it. Uh, and it was really fun. If you want a chance to do this, I think I sent it to Carolyn. I don't know if she got it. I don't, I don't think I sent it to Cindy. I'll try to send it to the other, the other, our little posse here. But I found on YouTube, if you hit Psalm 150, It'll pop up, drop all the way down, Psalm 150 in Hebrew. I love to read it in Hebrew. I don't read Hebrew written language. I just, I just want to know exactly the, the word that's being transliterated, if that makes sense. There's a rabbi who will sing Psalm 150 for you. And I try as best I could to keep up with him. I thought, man, that'd be, that would just rock if we could all sing it together. And I was like, I'm sure, Trisby, you can barely hug ah. You and the girls aren't going to get hello, Michigan, ha da 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 you know, it's, so, I, but I listened to him for myself, to worship myself. And do you know when Mitch Glazer comes, how you're just captured? So you hear Psalm 150, and it's sung very similarly, and there's power in it. And you recognize the words Yahweh and the words Hallel and these things. This is a doxological psalm, which means it's used litur- liturgically in Obviously, Eastern Orthodox churches, Catholic churches, Evangelical churches, Protestant churches, and also in synagogues. In some synagogues, they will sing this every single week. Can you imagine? What if you woke up every morning? Praise the Lord. Praise Him. What if you said this every day this week? I bet doing the dishes might be a little different. What do you think? <laughs> Meaning of the word praise. Hallel. It's a command. That was your second thing, wasn't it? 
We talked about the specific instruments. If you would like me to email you, these to you, I would love to. The trumpets are festival. Look on your text. See where it says trumpets? Psalm 150. The trumpets are always festival. The trumpets announce that uh, Jer- everything Jericho's falling. We have a new, we are Levit- Leviticus 23-24. We have a new law, a Torah. Numbers 10-10. Moses is going to rule the tribe. Trumpets are festival. Tambourine means celebrating. Exodus 15-20. 2 Samuel 6-5. 2 Samuel 6, 5. David is going to be the king of Israel. Everybody celebrate. Let's party. Dancing. I love. I'm not talking about this kind of dancing. Psalm 30, 11. Psalm 149, 3. Worship the Lord in your body. Flutes. Psalm 5, 1. Job 20, 21. And Job 20, 21. Of all places, I did not think I'd find this. It's something like celebrate with all of who you are, who God is. And then there's those doggone symbols again. Don't buy me any. First Samuel 18, 6, 2 Chronicles 5, 13. And if you would, Sandy, will you turn to 2 Chronicles 5, 13 real quick? And while she's turning, a quick review. We talked about Hillel. Here is your, here's your little, your little uh, what do you call? Here's your rock. Here's your weapon. When you drive away, don't drive with one hand. But think, I've got a weapon in my hand. And I wrote it up there. Praise is power. I read a fantastic book 15 years ago, and it said, if you live a life of praise, you will not struggle with self-pity. If you live a life of praise, you will not struggle with bitterness. If you live a life of praise, you will not struggle with resentment. If you live a life of praise, you will not feel like a servant. (laughs) Oops. If you live a life of praise, you will believe. If you live a life of praise, you are selfless. Anybody want to live that life? I do. I want my summer changed. I want to start the fall different. I don't want praise to be something I do because I'm supposed to. Oh, I pray all right. I pray for stuff I need and I want. But that praise, you know, it's an occasional thing. No, I want to obey him. Don't you? He says it's a command. Pray that God will give us a spirit of obedience to praise him. Sandy, what does 2 Chronicles 15, 3 say? Or five, I'm sorry, honey. 2 Chronicles 5, 13. In unison, when the trumpeters and the singers were to make themselves heard with one voice to praise and to glorify the Lord, and when they lifted up their voice, accompanied by trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music, and when they praised the Lord, saying, He indeed is good, for his loving kindness is everlasting, then the house, the house of the Lord, was filled with a cloud. Look at your arms. Is anybody else here saying it? Can I see your Bible? I've held this Bible. You all know Sandy discipled me. Just okay. Kind of bragging on you a little bit there. Where's the 13? Oh, he indeed is good for his loving kindness. His has said is everlasting. Then the house, the house of the Lord was filled with the cloud so that the priest could not stand to minister because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. Can you imagine a Sunday morning where Brian cannot even get up because there's so much praising going down? Would these people just be quiet? <laughs> I can't even get up to share the word. We're shouting our praises. We're not going to have symbols, I hope, Amanda. But <laughs> imagine your life being different as you praise God. Yes, because it's a command, but because he's giving you a heart to obey it. Ask him to teach you. Ask him to teach you to praise. And you know what's fun? When you ask God things that are his will, does he answer with a yes? Yes. <laughs> You'll ask him for a lot of things in your life, and he may say no. But he always says yes to his will. It is his will that you learn to praise him. And not just in hard circumstances. Just praise him because it's Wednesday. You have running water. <laughs> Whatever. Teach yourself the language of praise and see the power that comes from that. Special, special thanks to my friend Val, to Cindy, to Carolyn, to Gary, to Coop, to Susan, to everyone who helped, to Faith, to Rhonda, who helped put our Bible study together. If you'd like to give them a round, that's cool. We had a glorious, glorious five weeks. My prayer for you is that Of course you're changed, but that you worship God differently. In the fall, we're going to have a couple different options. Carolyn will be announcing and sharing all of those things in August. We want to see everybody in the fall and everybody, all of our friends. We want to share the gospel and live a powerful life of praise. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks. You're the creator of the world. If you agree with me, you can give me a DTS amen. Go, "Uh uh-huh. Father, we thank you that you're the creator of the world. Uh Uh-huh. Thank you that you made us. 
Mm-hmm. Thank you that you love us. Mm-hmm. Thank you that you change us. Mm-hmm. Father, teach us to praise. Boy, this is hard to grasp. I know it is for me. I feel like it's a new language that I don't know. And I want to praise you, not for just when I get what I want or good things, but because you're so magnificent. How glorious and kind and good and wondrous you are. Thank you for these women. Thank you for the study. Thank you for our uh, leaders. Thank you for Carolyn and her insight and Cindy and Val. What an honor to serve you with them. Thank you for my sisters in this room, some who go to grace, some who don't. Those who have been all summer who couldn't be here today, blessings upon them, O Lord. I pray that August would be different, that some of these words might trickle in to haunt our memories and our minds as we bathe children, as we drive on vacation, that we think about some of these concepts and words. May this be a people that will be used for your glory. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Son, I pray, amen. Amen. Love you, ladies. So fun.